Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyal, your host. And I probably should greet you also with a blessed new year. At least it will be tomorrow. Today, of course, is the last year of 2023. Hard to imagine. It is also what would technically be the last day of the post-festive of Christmas. Although there is something that continues on well beyond this last day of the post-festive of Christmas. And that is the entire mystery of the incarnation of God coming among us. There's something I jokingly, but actually I'm kind of serious, that I say to my parishioners at this time of year. I always tell them, don't ask me how was my Christmas. Ask me how my Christmas is going. Let's say, uh, like, uh, I'll pick a date, July 18th, like the middle of the summer. I know that sounds strange, (laughs) but I always say that each year. And you know what? Some people are actually listening to me (laughs) because sometimes I've been asked on July 18th or sometime during the summer, hey, Father, how's your Christmas going? (laughs) So they listen. And I say, well, you know what? It's going, you know, present tense, ongoing, ongoing, going, ongoing, very well. In fact, I'm still trying to really get into this mystery, get it right. Because what's happened this past week is not just a holiday, something we celebrate, And then we're back to work, and we're back to the same drudgery. The holidays are over. This is an event that happened that is here forever, and that is God with us. And we call this whole season in the Byzantine Catholic Church the divine condescension of God. In other words, he could not lower himself any more than he did. And this lowering will actually continue on into the next great season of Lent, crucifixion and death of our Lord, and his descent into hell, where he would then rise up and bring humanity with him and mount humanity, his bride, his creation, on the throne of heaven with him. So there's this tremendous descending movement, which we call the condescension. God humiliated himself. His 
It's like his divine humiliation. Think about it. We oftentimes look at Christmas time as sort of a beautiful story of a with beautiful scenery and of the, of the nativity, nativity scenes with the Jesus Christ, the baby there in the manger, and his loving mother looking over him, and Joseph kind of in a little off in the distance, but still looking lovingly, and the animals, and it's a beautiful scene. Yes, it is, and it should be. It's a beautiful event. But actually, it's not just about that that we celebrate on December 25th and then move beyond it. It's actually something that happened that is here for all time. And it was a process of God lowering himself and becoming his own creation in a very, very humble way, being born in a cave, laid in a manger, which is a feeding trough for cows, worn by the breath of animals as they look on to the Savior in their trough, in their feeding trough. Here's this baby who is God. And this will continue, this movement downward. In fact, we take the next step. Isn't it providential that we take this step now in the liturgical calendar and the the events of the Bible? We take it now because on this day, this last day of the year, we sort of cut away from the old and we look towards the new. And so it is with Jesus Christ. In the next step of his condescension, which follows his birth, the first action of his condescension, And what I'm talking about here is the Feast of the Circumcision of our Lord. In the Latin Rite Church, it was celebrated on January 1st as well, but it has since changed in the Latin Rite calendar. In our Byzantine calendar, it is still the Circumcision of our Lord, but also at the same time it's the Feast of St. Basil the Great. In fact, we will celebrate three great fathers of the Byzantine Church this month each one having their own feast day, then they'll all come together, kind of do like a little curtain call, uh, kind of an encore at the very last day of the month in January. And the reason for that is because there were disagreements, fights about who was the greatest among them, John Chrysostom, Basil the Greater, Gregor the Theologian. And to settle those disputes, it was decided that they would all be celebrated together, as well as having their own individual feast days on January 30th. But we are focusing on the very beginning of the month of January, which, as I mentioned, is the circumcision of our Lord. Now, this is a very significant event, not only in the action of Christ's condescension, but actually is always relevant for us. This event occurs or first appears in the book of Genesis in chapter 17, and it's a very, very cataclysmic event. It's a very pivotal event. I'll read this passage to you from Genesis 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name will be Abraham, for I have made you father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come forth from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. And I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, 
you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He that is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he that is born in your house and he that is bought with your money shall be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. An uncircumcised male who is not circumcised Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Now, you might wonder, well, why would this feast day be such a big deal? And why would God choose this way to literally make the mark of his covenant? Well, what happens in the action of circumcision? The action of circumcision, and notice it's on the eighth day. Now, that's a little hint for you. What do we know as the eighth day? The eighth day refers to what we now call Sunday. Sunday stands out as its own day because of the resurrection of our Lord on Sunday. Now, there are not eight days in the week, of course, but it's a symbolic number, symbolic title, the eighth day. In other words, it stands out from all other time, all other events, stands in a sense beyond the calendar because it was this incredible event of our Lord's resurrection. So this is a foreshadowing of that, the fact that God told Abraham way, way back when, the very beginning, that the circumcision would happen when the child is eight days old. And what happens? Well, it's a painful thing. It involves pain and blood, but a cutting away. It involves the openness of that part of a male to others. In other words, to become a gift of self. In other words, it is his sexuality that is being opened or exposed. And our sexuality is about what? It's about life and love and intimacy. It's about how we share in the very life of the Trinity and how God loves us. And it would be marked by a pain and blood, meaning that a man, every male, is called to open himself up to be sacrificial. And this is expressed through his very sexuality. And our Lord God, who was God himself, yet in the human flesh, condescended, humiliated himself once again to take on this action of circumcision, which is part of the law of the covenant. God himself and the person of Jesus Christ did not need to do this. But the fact that he did do it is another sign of his love, that he would stop it no level of humility for us. And he would actually endure this action, which was an action of he in the human flesh opening himself up through that part of his body, the sexual part, but opening that, opening himself up then to love, to vulnerability, to making a gift of self, to sacrificial love. We'll talk more about this next step in our Lord's condescension, this step of circumcision when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Every day, Father Loya posts a brief two-minute Facebook video on the Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish homepage. You'll be amazed at what you can learn just by watching. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. 
In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Welcome to a St. Nicholas Minute. When did St. Nicholas begin delivering gifts on Christmas Eve? Well, sadly, by the end of the 18th century and the first part of the 19th century, people more and more forgot why we celebrate Christmas. So one day some folks invited me to deliver gifts on Christmas Eve instead of St. Nicholas Eve in early December. You can imagine my joy, the birthday of Jesus, what an honor! But it was then that they took away my bishop's vestments and dressed me like an elf. Talk about an extreme makeover! That's why on Christmas Eve of 1822, Dr. Clement Moore wrote down what he saw. He said he saw a little old driver so lively and quick I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. Why, you ask, did he have doubts in his mind whether it was St. Nicholas or not? Well, he knew I was a bishop. He was shocked to see me dressed like an elf. But no matter how I'm dressed, my spirit is still the same. I'm filled with the joy that flows from the Christmas proclamation, Christ is born, glorify him. <laughs> I'm Loretta Freilich of the Catholic Charismatic Renewal of Chicago and Pentecost Today, and you are listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at ByzantineCatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping and handling to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you Welcome back to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host, and we're talking about the second big step in the ongoing condescension, the divine humiliation of our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ. In other words, the Almighty God, the second person, the Trinity, taking on his own creation while still remaining the creator. And of course, since he's the creator, his own creation is beneath him, below him, less than him. And he takes that on by his incarnation and birth but this incarnational reality continues to unfold as we enter into these events in the life of Christ, the incarnate God, as experienced in the church. We're coming up on January 1st, which is in the Byzantine liturgical calendar, as we mentioned, the Feast of the Circumcision of our Lord. We mentioned earlier why this is significant for God, for Jesus Christ, but also now for us. Well, it gives us an image, a model, a lesson, a workshop, a clinic in what it is to be human. 
especially to be a male human in particular. You notice that there is not really a counterpart for circumcision in womanhood. Of course, there really can't be per se, but womanhood already has her sacrifice of pain and blood, and that is in the incredible mystery of childbirth. And so God ordained that the male would also have an experience of pain and blood, a permanent mark, in fact, in his sexuality that would be a sign of his own self-giving, his sacrifice, his sacrificial nature. In other words, the priestly dimension of being a man. Manhood and priesthood, in a sense, define each other because they are marked together by the common element of sacrifice. And usually sacrifice means to give of oneself in a certain amount or, or way, whether it's spiritual or physical, of pain and blood. As a priest, I can tell you, I do experience pain and I shed blood for my parish, sometimes physically, but certainly spiritually and psychologically. In other words, it's about giving of oneself, spending of oneself completely. That is the call, the nature of the man, the male. Of course, Christ was a male. And so his mission, his destiny would be, in fact, to spend himself on the cross and to shed blood on behalf of his bride. And the blood and water that would come from his side were the two principal fluids of life. So the sacrifice of Christ, just as with any male, you know, a father, a male, is a sacrifice of life and love. And that is why the mark of that occurs providentially, and it makes sense, in the part of the man that is dedicated to life and love. But this is the ongoing humiliation of Christ, as we mentioned. And in fact, in the liturgical text for this day, January 1st, in the Byzantine church, we see things like this. In his love for the human race, the Savior condescended and willed to be wrapped in swaddling clothes, eight days old according to his mother, and eternal according to his father. He did not look down upon the circumcision of the flesh. Therefore, O believers, let us cry out to him, You are a God, you are our God, have mercy on us. We also celebrate on this same day as the circumcision of the Lord, which is January 1st, the feast of St. Basil the Great. And for that, we sing certain texts such as this. You have been called by the name of Basil after the kingdom. In your kingly rank, you led the people of Christ to wisdom and knowledge. Then the Lord of all and King of kings adorned you with the crown of the kingdom, O Basil. He is the everlasting and co-eternal Son who was united to her that bore him. Therefore, intercede with him that he may enlighten and save our souls. Now, you notice the reference to kingliness with St. Basil because that's his name. His name Basil or Vassal means like a leader or a king or a prince. Now, also, we say this, the one who was ineffably begotten of the Father as the Word and God of God, abiding in the changeless Godhead, now endures circumcision in the flesh. He who is above the law now comes under the law and delivers all from his curse and gives us his blessing from above. Therefore, let us joyfully praise his most gracious condescension and gratefully extol him. Let us entreat him to grant our souls his great mercy. We had heard from the Old Testament the origins of circumcision as a mark of the covenant between God and Abraham, in other words, God and his people, the Israelites. But in the New Testament, we read how Jesus Christ was brought to the temple because he was a Jew. He was from a good Jewish family, you know, his mother and Joseph and Mary. 
And he was brought to the temple in accord with the Old Testament practice on the eighth day, offered in the temple and circumcised by the priest. So as we heard in the liturgical text, God is not ashamed. He's not, even though he's above the law, he did not deem himself above it in a sense that, well, he wouldn't say, well, I'm God. I don't need to be circumcised like these earthlings. He did everything that we did. He did everything according to the Jewish customs of the time. And we'll see that as his life continues to unfold. He submitted himself always to something that brought him lower and lower. This whole rhythm, this whole descending action, as I like to say, which will continue until the resurrection, the ultimate descending part. That will be when Christ descends into hell on Holy Saturday. He dies on Great and Holy Friday, but he descends into hell and does battle with the devil, breaks the tyranny, breaks the bondage that the devil had over humanity until Christ came and broke that bond and released the captives and brought them to heaven. So there's a descending and an ascending rhythm to the whole salvation drama, to everything that Christ did. Let's look at maybe one more liturgical text. In his love for the human race, the Savior condescended and willed to be wrapped in swaddling clothes, eight days old according to his mother, and eternal according to his father. He did not look upon the circumcision of the flesh. He did not look down upon it. Therefore, believers, let us cry out to him, you are our God, have mercy on us. Our circumcision, yes, and we are all circumcised, whether male or female, because now the circumcision, like everything else from the Old Testament, then into the New, takes on its fuller, more mystical dimension. So what was prefigured for Christ and for us in the Old Testament, you know, all those customs and so on, were prefigurements, they were hints, the beginnings of what would be fulfilled in the New Testament with Christ and the church. And so it is with circumcision. Circumcision gives rise now to baptism. Circumcision was the Old Testament form of baptism. If you notice in baptism, what happens to us? We are, in a sense, drowned in the waters of baptism. And that's why in the Byzantine church, we take the person to be baptized, whether they're a baby or an adult or any age in between. And we immerse them fully three times down in the waters of the baptistry and up three times, a dying and a rising. We enter into the baptism of Christ, which we're going to observe next week at what we call the theophany, which is also the baptism of Christ. We go down into the waters with Christ and rise up with him as he rises out of the water at his baptism by John the Baptist. But also it is an entry into his death on the cross and his resurrection. And so we die and rise in our baptism. And it is a washing away, a cutting away of the old self. And we rise to our new self. That's why in the church centuries ago, it was the custom for those who were baptized and confirmed in the faith to wear the white garment that is put over them at their baptism, to wear that for an entire week. And they're given a candle at their baptism. And that candle is supposed to be kept and used once again at their wedding because there's a correlation between baptism and wedding. In fact, the Catholic catechism of the church 
calls baptism the preparation for the nuptial bath, a nuptial bath that prepares the person for their nuptial priesthood. So there's a correlation between baptism and marriage. We even wear the same colors, a white baptismal gown and a white wedding gown, at least the brides wear that. But we are a bride in a sense at our baptism. We become the bride of Christ. As a member of the church, we are part of being the bride of Christ, he, the bridegroom. Again, we're speaking mystically here. And so baptism is like circumcision. It's a dying away and a rising up to newness, just as Christ experienced on the eighth day as a baby, a cutting away, a separating from the old self and an openness, even physically, to the new self. I wish to you, extend to you on behalf of everyone here at Light of the East, Armin, our brilliant producer and engineer, and myself, I want to extend to you, first of all, our gratitude for being with us for this past year. We thank Almighty God for the blessings of this past year, and we wish and pray that you will have now a very, very blessed new year. And as we say in the Byzantine tradition, may God grant you many blessed and happy years. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. In the 1800s, Lincoln lost eight elections before he was elected President of the United States. In 1963, Phil Knight started a shoe company. Everyone told him he would fail. By 2016, he had turned Nike into a $91 billion company. In 1985, Shaquille O'Neal was cut from his high school basketball team. He was too slow and clumsy. Coach Brown from LSU met him and told him to believe in himself, work hard, and that someday he can come play for him. He did. And then he wanted to become one of the best basketball players in history. What if all those people listened to the voices that told them they were never going to accomplish their dreams? Friend, if God planted a dream in your heart, don't listen to the people who tell you you're too young, too old, too short, too tall. Go for it and then leave the results to Him. God's dream for you has less to do with what you accomplish and more to do with who you become along the way. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com on EWTN Radio. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.